Welcome, and thank you for joining us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church, Kannapolis, North Carolina. As senior pastor, Dean Hunter shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. We'll be in the book of Hebrews again this morning. If you were here last week, we were there. Hebrews chapter 11. If you brought your Bibles with you, I trust that you have one. And um, if you're new to the Scriptures, it's close to the end. Hebrews chapter 11 is what has been referred to as the Hall of Faith chapter in Scripture. The honor roll of faith. It is and should be an encouraging passage of Scripture to believers today. Last week we looked at the first few verses of Hebrews 11 and talked about the idea of living by faith. And I don't know about you, but I've been in church long enough and I'm just old enough all week I've been singing, living by faith, just living. We tried to do that on Wednesday night several weeks ago. And um, I don't know, I thought all the old people knew that song, but uh, maybe they didn't. If there has ever been a time, have I ever said that phrase before? <laughs> you use that phrase, if there's ever been a time where believers really need to be living by faith, it's today. Now, I'm sure that would have been a, an appropriate phrase 20 years ago. And if the Lord tarries, it'll be an appropriate phrase 20 years from now. But no man, no woman, nobody that's awake can look around us not just nationally with our politics, but internationally with all that's going on. If we're honest with ourselves, we cannot deny or reject that we see prophecy lining up, being fulfilled. And God's word is true. And even for those who might not believe it, maybe they're starting to wonder if there's something to it. Things are happening on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. And if we're led by the flesh, if we're led by our mind, if we're led by our feelings, we are headed for some sad days. There's people that don't want to get up because of the sky falling. It's time to live by faith. Faith in what we can't see. Believing what we can't see and what we can't prove. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. And how about this verse, Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Today I want us to read Hebrews 11. I want us to look at verses 8 through 16. If you want to stand as we honor God's word, believing that it is absolute truth, it is good for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, 
And it'll be good tomorrow and in the years to come. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing where he was going. That's just so stressful to me right there, but (laughs) my mind works differently. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, that's Abraham, so many as the stars of the sky and multitude and as the sand which is in the shore, innumerable. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now, I'm going to preach in a few minutes, but if you want to highlight or underline or write that in your notes, that's a good verse for the believer today. It's essential. And we'll come to that in a second. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had the opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly, where God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Now, for you Southern Gospel folks... If I was being real clever, I would say um, the title of this message is Looking for a City. (laughs) But um, we have a different demographic than some, so um, I want to talk today about this subject and this thought, a legacy of faith, a legacy of faith. Father, thank you for your word. We ask you to bless it. Help us to have attentive and receptive hearts to apply it to our lives, for us to be faithful. God, there is certainly a need for men and women of faith to practice obedience to your word. Show us today, teach us today the importance of leaving a legacy of faith. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, I'm a Casting Crowns fan. I don't dislike them, but for some reason, they don't want to leave a legacy. Um, That's the name of a song, I Don't Want to Leave a Legacy, and I understand the context, so don't start off on the wrong foot. A legacy is something we leave behind. It's an inheritance that someone leaves behind for someone else to enjoy or to experience. Don't. Start thinking of death and inheritance because that'll get you all out of sorts and quench the spirit and we won't even be able to listen. It's very clear in scripture that God has instructed parents and grandparents to train up children in the way they should go. We understand that there's no greater lesson than an example. There's no better 
uh, teacher than someone who practices what they preach. In Proverbs chapter 6, Solomon says, My son, keep your father's command and your mother's teaching. It's obvious that the mom and dad are supposed to be commanding and teaching. In Ephesians chapter 6, it's a Father's Day verse. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Scripture after scripture we could go to is very clear that parents and grandparents are supposed to leave a legacy by teaching the lifestyle of faith. One of the saddest, hard preaching, if you want two verses, that I found in Scripture, I found a few years ago, and I preached the message on it. It's in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. And also that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. I remember seeing that verse and really being overwhelmed by that verse and the truth that that verse teaches us. And the question was automatic when I read this and obviously knowing a little bit about judges and the cycle of the children of Israel. The immediate question was how in the world did a whole generation arise that didn't know God? And the answer is clear. There was a generation who didn't teach their children and grandchildren about God. And there arose a generation who didn't know God. I can't help but believe we're experiencing a generation or two that don't know God. And there's a reason why. Now, don't get defensive. It's not our fault. We all did it right, all right? Or some of us are trying to do it right. But a whole generation, and we see the activities, we see what's happening, we see crime, we see addictions, we see um, issues in our country and all around the world. And Christianity is a, is a for-the-world religion, by the way. It's not just American. And we see the consequences of generations rising up as if there is no God because they have never experienced what their parents and grandparents experienced because the grandparents and the parents never told them about the experiences and the ability of God. And that's how Judges 2.10 comes into play. There's a lot I want to say and I'm going to try to stay on task. But when I read that passage of Scripture... And what I want to, what resonates in my mind, in my heart, and maybe even in my flesh, I want to encourage you with, and every parent and grandparent I come in contact with in church and outside of church, my, my response to that is, may it not happen because of me. I lay my head on my pillow at night. May I not feel the guilt and the shame of not raising up my children the way God would have them raised. Knowing the truth, hearing the truth, living the truth, so that their generation doesn't rise up and not know God because their daddy was a deadbeat spiritually. We've got an opportunity. It's not over, there's still a chance. If you're breathing and you got a kid, you got a grandkid, you've been slack on it, 
make a determination, not on my watch. And that may involve some, some tough conversations. It may involve some apologies from a dad, from a mom, from a grandparent. But until, I'm, I'm passionate about this, and this is why my message is going to be two hours instead of an hour, until some men and women of faith who really are born again make a decision that they're going to raise up their family the way God would be pleased, we're going to have the mess that we have. The mess that's going on in America is not just from the unchurched people. The problem is it's a lot of people that are in church, and that's about all they are is in church. So we talked about the hall of faith, and last week we looked at living by faith and how God expects us to live by faith. And we understand, I've already quoted of Hebrews 11, 1, what faith, uh, the example of faith, it's believing in something you can't prove, it's evidence of things not seen. We have to please God only by faith. We can only please God by faith. Martin Luther said, faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. Today, I want us to look at this idea and thought of the legacy of faith. And in the text that I just read, it provides examples some of your Bibles will say patriarchs, the faith of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And let's not forget Sarah. She's in there, but she's not a patriarch. She's a matriarch because there is a difference, but anyway. <laughs> and I want us to look and bring back a word from a couple months ago or a month ago, perspectives, and look at this idea of leaving a legacy of faith. And as I read this passage, I thought, These people had different perspectives. And I want us to look at some perspectives of these faithful men and women. They had adopted a perspective that only comes by true faith in God. I said this a couple months ago, or now it's May almost, so five months ago when we started talking about perspectives at the beginning of the year, that Christians ought to have a distinctly different perspective on life. We see things differently. And if we're men and women of faith, we view life differently. We view uh, circumstances differently. We see the news differently. Now, I understand. The world is, is uh, sorrowful this week because Tucker Carlson is no longer on Fox. <laughs> but you did get a glimmer of hope when President Biden announced that he was running again. So, I mean, it's a balance week. I did read that um, they woke him up at 10 o'clock on Tuesday and told him he was running for president and that he had announced it at six that morning. So I think they've got their stuff together. Now, we, we view the news different. We watch events happen and we respond to it differently than the world. So I want us to look at these five perspectives and we'll see what happens here. First of all, it's to notice that by faith, they practiced obedience. We know about Abraham, if you've been in any, any church for any amount of time. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, God calls on Abraham and says, um, 
Get out of your country, take your family, and go to somewhere I'll show you. We've been talking about that in Romans because in Romans chapter 4, at the end of 3 and beginning of 4, Paul refers to the faith of Abraham. We've been talking about that on Wednesday nights, but Abraham is called by God in verse 8 here. It's a, a reference to Genesis chapter 12 where we get the Abrahamic covenant. That by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, see that word there, obeyed. He obeyed and he went out, and this is the tough part, going to somewhere he didn't know where he was going. I joked about that on a couple Wednesdays ago, and that was one time the wife could tell the husband, you don't even know where you're going. And he'd say, you're right, I, I don't. And you think about that practically, think of the faith that was involved with a husband and a wife going in the same direction, not knowing where they were going. And they were all right with it. Why? Because by faith, they trusted. There is a land. We know about it as Canaan. It, it exists somewhere, but I'm not even sure where I'm going. But I'm going. I packed my bags and we're headed in that direction. What direction? Not sure. And verse 9 says, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob. And we see there that the, the promise has already taken place and Isaac is with them, Jacob is with them. It says the heirs, this is, these are the patriarchs that he refers to. Later when he says they all died in the faith, he's talking about these three. And by faith, Sarah received strength to conceive seed. We see that in this situation, their faith produced obedience. The question is, in Genesis 12, 1, when God says, go out, we know the answer. What did he do? He did what God said. And faith practiced is doing what God said. Now, I'm not going to try to dig in and upset too many people today, but I remember being in a conference and hearing a pastor that I respect make a statement one time and it was, it, was, it was at First Baptist Indian Trail, as a matter of fact. Some of you might have been there. It's been years ago. And um, it was somebody else that said it, so get mad at him. It wasn't me. That there's many people sitting in a church upset with where they're at, but it wasn't God's plan for them to be there. God had called them to go somewhere else, called them to another job called them to move here, to go there. But they didn't listen and they did what they wanted to do. And now they're unhappy, discontent. They don't have their needs met. This was him, not me. They're questioning why God didn't supply this. And God's answer was, my, what I had supplied was in another location. You didn't listen. Now, let's just be on the same team here together and encourage each other. Let's go where God says go. Let's do what God says do. Because when we are faithful to obey where he's called us to do what he's called us to do, he has made provision there. People sit in church and they question God and question God's ability and his faithfulness. Why didn't God do this? Well, maybe what you need is where he told you to go. Abraham, by faith, with his wife, 
takes off. Now, I, I'm a practical guy in my mind. I'm thinking, they're 75 years old. Abraham's 75 years old when he's called out. He's 100 when he gets told, you're going to have a baby. Abraham's, and I'm, please don't take this mean, I'm being nice today. I'm being real happy today. I started thinking of the word retirement. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I like the word retirement. I, I'm not one of these, like, I'm going to preach till I fall over with a heart attack. I, that ain't the way I want to go. I ain't, I ain't feeling that. I like to go, you know, in the mountains by a stream on a rock, fall out and float down the river. I don't know. You imagine the PTSD in the church when the pastor falls out with a heart attack? You remember that day he died? Yeah. No, I don't know. I'm thinking he's 75 years old. His, his wife, they're established. They've got an RV. They're seeing the world. They're seeing the country. They don't have any kids. They've given up on it. Hey, this is what it's going to be. By the way, most of the people I know that make it to 75 with no kids are loaded. <laughs> right? I mean, they got more toys than a, than a toddler. <laughs> Life is good. Think about it. Seriously. Life is good. They're 75. They've grown old together. We're not going to have a child. We, we get to spend all of that money. And God says, imagine them, here they, they're, they're at a campsite, they're enjoying the scenery, and God says, hey, pack up, go somewhere I'm going to show you. Now, they're not in a camper, just in case anybody, but as far as I know, but they're settled, they're good, we're all right, God, and I wonder how many, I'm not going to throw the number out there, how many are retired in the church Retired on God. I've been doing this long enough. I'm settled. Man, I've, I've pleased God for 75 years. He's got to be happy with me. And, and this is kind of off target, but maybe it'll help. God still has something for you to do by faith and obedience to what he's called you to do. And I say this. I've said this for years. I'll continue to say it. This almost 49-year-old needs some 75-year-olds to look up to to live by faith, to be a motivation and an example. There's a lot of other 40-some-year-olds and 50-some-year-olds that still need some 70-year-olds being a leader. We need that. And us 50-year-olds, the 30-year-olds need that too. And the 20-year-olds need that too. And our teenagers need that. They practiced obedience. Number two, by faith they persevered unto death. Verse 13. These all died in faith. These patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they all died in faith. Listen to this. this is, on one hand, it's a sad story. It's like, this is not fair. This 75-year-old retiree took off with his bags packed to a country. God said, I'll show you where it's at. And he never got to experience it. Now, he did live there. If we want to be biblically correct, he lived there as a... As a a camper, again, he's bouncing from place to place, but he never got the inheritance. He never enjoyed the fulfillment of the promise, nor did Isaac, nor did Jacob. These all died in the faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them. Oh, what a, 
What a powerful statement verse 13 is for those of us who are living by faith, who are walking by faith. And the attitude and the perspective, they didn't see it. They didn't experience it. They didn't receive it, but they saw it afar off. It's faith. Faith is, in this case, as if it were real, as if it had been experienced. I know some of you don't like this word and you think I'm going to cuss in church, but Walt Disney was a different man than the people running this show today. Okay, there we go. Amen. I loved old Mickey. The rest of them can burn. I know. Anyway, so, okay. Um, when they opened up Disney and he was already dead, some of you know this, and I love it. The wife was there. They had a ribbon cutting, and, and they interviewed her, and they said, um, this is Miss Walt Disney, and they said, what do you think, uh, wouldn't he be so proud or something? Um, how do you feel knowing that he didn't get to see this day? And her response was, he saw it. And that's why we're seeing it today. Another wise man that I've looked up to through the years made a statement that if you don't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. And in the faith life, we're walking by faith, knowing that we'll see something that we've never seen before without proof that it even exists other than the Word of God. Amen. By faith, they persevered all the way till death. Now, speaking of death, that's the guy preaching and dying of a heart attack, right? Persevered, well, he persevered till death. No, he, they all died in the faith. In other words, here's a good way to say it. None of them gave up. I've got a, about 362 reminders in my phone. And most of them are not reminders, because I'll never get to them. Uh, but they're just quotes. They're facts, they're stats, they're quotes. Some you'd look at and say, what does that even mean? And some I look at and say, I don't remember when I wrote that, I don't know what it means. But there's one that's in there that's real simple. And here it is, and somebody needs to hear this. It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. Even in the spiritual life, especially in the spiritual life, it's always too soon to quit. So I've, been, I've been living this life forever and I still haven't seen it. There's people today that question Christianity because the Lord's been returning for a long time. And we don't have any example of where it's ever happened. Right? We don't have any proof of how it could happen. But they've been living for a long time, and I, I, the preacher told me he was coming back in a couple weeks. That's why I got saved. <laughs> and now it's been 20 years. And then their faith starts to dwindle. Well, I don't know if I believe that so much, and that's a different story, different conversation. But they died faithfully trusting in God. And on one hand, it's sad they never got to experience the promised land. But it wasn't sad because they experienced the promised land because they claimed it as if it was theirs. They believed it. They lived it. And they died in the faith. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. He's not really referring to this passage, but it's practical to our life. Therefore, we are always confident. You probably know this. 2 Corinthians 5, 6. 
Therefore, we're always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Stop. Don't, don't read the next verse. We are confident. You know what that means? We're confident. That's what it means. Christians, that while we're at home in the body, everybody look around. It's a good time to look around at bodies. We're home in the body right now, and we're absent from the Lord. We're saying, well, the Lord is here. That's got to be a misprint. No, no. Absent from, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But you just looked ahead. That's a faith statement. Verse 6 is by faith that we are home in the body and absent from the Lord. That doesn't take a lot of faith to look around and see that we're at home in the body. I mean, you can poke the person next to you and see if it's real. But then again, how long will it be until the person beside you might not be real? Ooh, huh. What's he talking about? <laughs> AI. What if I'm not real? Oh, that's crazy. We'll know in a minute. Um, it doesn't take a lot of faith to know that we're at home in the body, but it takes faith to know we're home in the body and absent from the Lord. It's, a, it's believing that he exists and that there is a place where he exists and that we're separated from him right now. That's faith. Now, if we have that faith and we believe it and we practice it, we're obedient to it, it makes this present in the body a little more bearable. Now, for some of you, you'll appreciate probably where I'm going, but I'll probably forget, so I'll say it now. Um, the passage that we read refers to Abraham as if he's almost dead. It's like he claims to himself, I'm so old, I'm almost dead. Like one as of dead. Now, he has a baby at 100. Now, he didn't. He made a baby at 100, but he referred to himself as almost dead. And some of you may feel like you're almost dead. But you can still make it because you know this is not just it. There is more. And then verse 7 right there in 2 Corinthians 5, for we walk by faith, not sight. I, I always love this passage. If you read it all together, uh, most versions have it parenthetically, where verse 7 is kind of the hinge verse between 6 and 8. We know that in the body we're present, uh, we're confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are also confident, say, we're willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So the, the, um, the converse, that's a blast from the past, the converse is true. Why? Because we walk by faith, not by sight. Because we walk by faith, not by sight, we know we're present in the body, but we're separated from God. But we also know when we escape this body, we'll be present with the Lord. That's walking by faith, not by sight. And so therefore, these had that, they owned that truth and they all died in the faith. Think about what a funeral might have looked like for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the funeral, um, the family had some responses potentially. And I don't want to over-elaborate this, but here's what they could say. Oh, Father Abraham had me. Oh, no, they wouldn't say. They probably sang that at the funeral. Oh, Father Abraham 
And he died believing. He died believing. Oh, Isaac, he died believing. Listen, Jacob died believing. See, two, three different funerals, churches packed, preachers up preaching. Boy, he died believing. And there were people in the crowd who were believing and those who were not believing. Believing what? There's a land. There's a promised land. There's a better place that by faith, those who die in the faith will receive and enjoy. Don't, I don't want to be morbid, but don't we all want to, we don't all want to be in the casket, I understand that, but don't we all want to have the pastor say, boy, he died believing. She died believing. It's a different response out there in the family in the pews when the pastor can say, and everybody can amen, they died believing. These all died. They persevered, died believing. Number three, this is the best one. I'm glad you stayed this long. By faith, they were pilgrims in a strange land. Verse nine and 13 are kind of connected. In verse nine, it says, by faith they sojourned in the land of promise. Talking about Canaan, they actually made it to the area, but they never settled down. They didn't buy a house and hang out. As in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, their heirs. But look at verse 13. After these all died in the faith, they persevered, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them. How did they do that? How did they believe as if it was there, like they had experienced it? Here's how. While they were looking, they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. A perspective that every believer, I believe it's paramount, I believe it's foundational, is that we acknowledge, like verse 13 says, that they confessed that they were strangers, that word is foreigners, and pilgrims, that word means temporary citizens on the earth. You left everything at 75, you're traveling to a land you've never seen, you don't really even know where you're going, you're just following God. Things aren't always going your way. It's not an easy path. It wasn't a straight shot to the promised land. There were some ups and downs, some mountains and valleys, some rivers, some crossings, some rough terrain, some whatever, some storms. Looking for a city. What gives peace? What gives confidence? What gives assurance? When you're walking to somewhere, but you're going through a bunch of stuff you'd rather not go through. Here's the principle. Here's the perspective. This is not where I belong. This is not what I was made for. This earth is not my home. This is just a journey to where I was made for. That sounds real Joel Osteen right there. There should have been an amen right there. This is just a path to where God has taken me. And when I'm going through what sin has created on this earth, 
When I'm going through sickness, when I'm going through pain, when I'm going through death, when I'm going through problems in my family, when I'm going through hurt, I understand this world is not my home. I'm made for somewhere else. I'm just a temporary citizen. That's what the word means. I'm a pilgrim. Church, until we own that fact, we're going to struggle more than we have to struggle. We're going to struggle mentally. We're going to struggle physically. We're going to struggle emotionally. And we're certainly going to struggle spiritually until we own the fact that after we're a new creation, we don't feel comfortable here anymore. Now, I know that sounds old-fashioned and grandpa preaching. And I used to hear old preachers say that. and like, man, I like it down here. But I understand more and more what they're saying is the closer we get to him, the more stranger-like we feel here. I'm like, man, just, man, I just don't feel good around here anymore. I feel kind of dirty being around this. Because we understand we're just strangers. We're just pilgrims. We don't really like it. We're different. And we feel different. And we understand, and I, I love just to play on this word here. I look around sometimes and I'm like, man, I am in a strange land. Thought about a Walmart remark there, but I won't. I'll just keep going, but... It applies. It's not just there. They're everywhere now. Anyway. It's not where we belong. Peter said we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, peculiar people. In verse 11, he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Peter taught in the principle that we were just pilgrims passing through. They, by faith, believed they were just pilgrims. They were a better place. Oh, I said C was the best one. This one might be better. Number four, by faith, their past was forgotten. I thought Jace was going to preach my, part of my sermon this morning in Sunday school because he copied me and he was in Hebrews, but chapter 10, that's a lie. He's been in there longer than I have. By faith, their past was forgotten. Look at verse 14 and 15. For they that say such things, the say such things is declaring that they're pilgrims, professing that they're pilgrims. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Verse 15, though, I really want us to pay attention to. And if they had been mindful of that country from where they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Now, that sounds a little different reading that I had to King James like that. It says if they had thought about where they came from, they would have went back. That's what, it, that's what it says. If they would have, as they're headed toward this promised land, if they would have thought about where they came from, they would have probably went back. But by faith, they forgot their past. I'm not going to sensationalize that and get into the spiritual realm too much, but I believe it's applicable. I want us to understand that if they were thinking of where they came from, they could have went back. But the reality is they weren't even thinking about where they came from. 
They were thinking about where they were going. There's a, there's a powerful principle there. Spiritually speaking, it's a lot of people that need to be thinking more about where they're headed than where they came from. Now, it's one thing to have a testimony of where you've been. Nah, but when you're dwelling in the past, your view is obstructed from the future. And you can stay in the mully grubs, you can be depressed, you can be hurt, you can be whining and crying because you're thinking about the past instead of looking for the future. And here's the principle. We're headed for the future. But the more we think about the past, more propensity there is to head back to the past. They weren't even thinking about the past. They were thinking about where they were going. Many people in church today are caught up in where they were. They're defeated. They doubt their salvation. They have no power. They have no testimony because they're stuck in their past. They may be born again. Maybe they don't fully understand that their sins have been cast into the sea, as the psalmist said, that they've been separated as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered anymore, that they've been made righteous as if they are innocently sinless by God when they place their faith and trust in his son, true righteousness. That God looks at them when they are robed in the righteousness of Christ as if they had never sinned, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. And that there is no past in the eyes of God. But people are stuck in their past. They allow the, the devil, they allow their flesh to bind them, control them. God forbid a church or a professing believer remind people of their past and keep them bound by their past. That's the job of the devil, not of a believer. We're looking where God's taken us. We don't have time to look back at where we've been. And since I've alluded to the, the camper and the camping world, I read this illustration years ago where this man and woman were traveling and in my mind, they've got a camper behind them, and, but in, their, in his back window of his truck, he's got a sticker for every place he's been. Like, people do that, and they got a sticker from different states or whatever. And they're riding down this mountain road, and he's looking in his rearview mirror at all these places, and he's thinking about, wow, I remember when I went there. I remember when I went there. Next thing you know, he's crossed the road, and they have a crash. And while he's talking to the police or whatever, and getting to the bottom of what happened, he makes this real obvious statement that I was looking at where I'd been instead of looking at where I was going. There's a lot of people that get in some crashes because they're looking back at where they've been and not looking at where they're going. By faith, they forgot their past. And by faith, lastly, they expected God's preparations. They, God's preparations were expected. God had promised them. Therefore, their faith, by faith, they believed it. They expected it. They expected this land. But what's important here, it's, 
extra preaching, but I won't. What's important is they weren't just looking for the promised land. They were looking for the promised land. They were looking for heaven. They, they set out looking for the land that God said, I'm going to show you where to go, but they understood there was a heaven. They understood there was a country, a city, not built by man, but built by God. Now, they weren't idiots. They knew Canaan wasn't a city built by God. They, were, they understood they were on a journey. i just make this real simple. Whether we got there or not, we were going to get to the ultimate place God had prepared. I, I, like, I try to flesh things out practically, and it helps my mind sometimes. As a Christian, as a believer, certainly we have things we would like to see. We have events in life we would like to be a part of. We'd like to know our kids graduate and we're there. Not every dad is at their child's graduation. Not every grandfather makes it to their child's graduation. Every dad, every mom wants to be there when their son or daughter gets married. They would like to think they had trained them up they found somebody that was compatible, that was a Christian, and it was God-pleasing, and they made it to see that. Not everybody gets there. And think of the landmarks that we create in our minds by faith, and we, we want to see this day. We want to get to that day. Now think about, spiritually speaking, how there's events that we want to get to, things we want to see happen, things that by faith we believe can happen or will happen but yet we may die before they happen. And although that once again sounds morbid, what makes the journey worthwhile is knowing that those spiritual landmarks are not the finality. Those are not the finish line. The finish line is being in the city, the country built by God. It's real, it's real easy to think, you know, oh man, no. Somebody passes away. By the way, we're all going to die. Let's go have lunch on that one. That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> We're all going to die if he doesn't return before. And you think about the comments that have, well, oh, it's unfortunate that he wasn't able to, or she wasn't able. And in man's eyes and in the flesh, that's our thoughts. But may we be men and women who die in the faith, persevere in the faith to where we would never, by the way, the people that die and go to heaven, they're not saying, man, I wish I wouldn't have got here so soon. I wanted to see that. You know? yeah. I hope you're not so carnal that you think that well. God, I had a vacation scheduled next month. Why, why the... <laughs> they expected what God had prepared in verse 16, but now they desire a better country. We're getting close to the end. Somebody needs to grunt or say amen or let your stomach growl or something because that's where we're at. We desire a better country. Our desire is for another place. And that's how we can withstand this place because we desire a better place. We understand that it's going to happen for he has prepared a city. God may have great things in store for us here when we obey his commands, but the reality is there is something in store. 
for believers that's far greater than anything we could imagine here. Paul said, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has even entered into the most brilliant mind the things that the Lord has in store for those who believe. We're looking for a country, for a city built by God himself. Five perspectives that are essential for the believer. I had more to the sermon, but I'm feeling kind and gracious. But I want us to kind of reflect and think about where we're at personally. Are these perspectives that we've adopted? Can, you, can we really say that we're practicing obedience to where God has called us, doing what God has called us to do? And I know the question, well, how do I know what God's called me to do? He's called us to be faithful. He's called us to be men and women of his word. He's called us to be men and women of prayer. And I believe when we're praying and when we're studying him, when we're knowing him, and his Holy Spirit is just as real today as it has ever been, he speaks to us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. I'm not talking about Jiminy Cricket, your conscience, oh, I don't feel right, I'm not doing it. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, combined with his word and with our conversation with him. He speaks. And when he speaks, be obedient. I think he speaks through circumstances. Can we say that we're being obedient? Can we say that we're going to die in the faith, not going to quit, persevered until death? But we'll be able to say, oh, Brother Smith, boy, he died believing when it's your time. Have we adopted this principle that we're, we're not built for this place? We're headed for a, a new country. We are just pilgrims. If there's anything I can highlight that'll help us all out, and I'm talking to the preacher too, and especially his wife. No, just... Hey, stuff is stuff. I like stuff, don't get me wrong. That's why I joke and she'll like, you like stuff more than I did. But we're not made for this place. We're pilgrims. This stuff's going to pass away one day. Are we laying up treasures in heaven? Do we understand we're pilgrims? Have we bought into that? Are you living in your past? Justin used my verse a second ago, but I wasn't going to repeat it. But no, we're, we're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're allowing the flesh, you're allowing Satan, you're allowing some carnal Christian to bind you to your past. We want to leave a legacy of faithfulness. We live in like we're headed somewhere that we believe exists. It changes our life. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. It's so clear. 
God, there's no question there are men and women in this room, teenagers, who profess to be Christians, who are believers. If we're honest, we struggle with some of these truths that we see these men and women of faith practice. I specifically pray for parents and grandparents. God, today that we understand how important it is to leave a legacy of faithfulness. We teach our children, we teach our grandchildren what it looks like to live by faith. Certainly there may be a person here today, God, who doesn't, who never by faith has trusted in you for their salvation, for their forgiveness, for the grace and mercy that's needed to make them a new creation. God, I pray if that's the case, your Holy Spirit convicts them today. They would be bold enough to, by faith, make you Lord of their life. Understanding they're a sinner, not because of what they've done, but because they were born a sinner, according to your word. Your word tells us that the price for sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life. Maybe for the first time today, they are convicted by your Holy Spirit and acknowledge their need for salvation. They would call on you, as your word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And by faith, they become a new creation. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.